0: What if I told you there's another Rocky Horror Picture Show, but it's based on a classic board game and still has Tim Curry and a ton of 80s, 50s nostalgia?
1: I would say, I hope I like it more than I like Rocky
0: Horror. Okay, but have you seen Clue?
1: I have not seen the movie Clue.
0: Oh, it is a personal fave that I've not rewatched in a long time, and I have a lot of thoughts upon Ooh, re-watch.
1: <laughs> thoughts, excellent. Uh, well, I'm excited to watch it, and uh, away we go.
0: Get out of that bed. wash your face and hands. On a dark and stormy night in 1954, shot in the 80s, set in the 50s, six individuals with ties to Washington are assembled for a dinner party at the swanky mansion of one Mr. Body. Body's butler, Wadsworth, assigns each guest a colorful name. Mr. Green, Colonel Mustard, Miss Peacock, Professor Plum, Miss Scarlet, and Miss White. Two additional servants, the cook and Yvette, the maid, assist Wadsworth as he informs the guests that they have been gathered to meet the man who has been blackmailing them, Mr. Body. When body turns up dead, however, the guests must try to figure out who killed him so they can protect their own reputations and keep the body count from growing, which it inevitably does. Three separate endings were filmed for Clue and shown in different theaters. All three are collected for the video edition.
1: Alright, welcome to Kay Have You Seen This? I am Kyle.
0: And I'm Kari.
1: And uh, welcome to our first official episode. Woo-hoo. And today we are going with Kari's pick. Clue.
0: Yes. Yes. Clue. This is one of my favorites from childhood, which upon rewatch was kind of surprising. I, I guess I totally forgot a good bit of this movie, (laughs) especially the, the political intrigue. I had no memory of any of that. Maybe because it meant nothing to me at the time, but like, I was like, wait, all DC, what? Like none, none of that. I feel like that's pretty
1: typical. Like when you watch a movie that you haven't seen a lot since you were a kid, or, like, you were first introduced to when you were young. Like, there's a lot that you just don't notice because you don't care.
0: Yeah, because, like, the sex stuff I definitely remembered. <laughs> like, I remember that being a swingers party and being like, what? What does that mean? but the, yeah, there was a lot. The whole undercurrent of politics, was, which is actually huge to this movie. Sure. No memory of it, but... One of my best friends and I used to watch this, like, all the time. We loved Tim Curry, which is also kind of strange. He's not kid-friendly, except for the whole Nigel Thornberry thing. He's
1: been in a few things that are, I guess, for kids. Like, the one that stands out the most in my mind is Muppet Treasure Island, of course. Yes.
0: Oh, my gosh. I loved that movie. Also, yeah, that may have been where it came from. It might have been a a Kermit thing. But,
1: um,
0: yeah. One thing I do remember, though, when my friend and I would watch it, she would talk about how her mom saw it in theaters and the whole alternate ending thing you like you only saw one ending in theaters you had to go see it multiple times to see all of the endings
1: and we'll get to spoilery stuff a little bit later but that's almost not even a spoiler anymore because it's almost like if somebody knows anything at all about the movie clue other than the fact that it is based on a board game it's that it has multiple endings but each one i mean we can kind of get into how that all plays out a little bit later I don't know having watched this for the first time um, just yesterday I was pleased this is mm. definitely a movie that I remember first being exposed to when I saw the box at like the video store in my neighborhood mm. when I was a kid and just never watched it it was one that I just recognized because it was it was there all the time and I never was that interested in watching it as a kid but as I got older I started hearing people mention it in passing and it became sort of this I mean it's like a cult movie at this point it's got like a cult following
0: as with anything tim curry does naturally <laughs> yeah
1: the cult of curry of course
0: so what is it the alternate endings that made you want to see it so bad like why were you so interested in this one
1: i guess because i in having now seen the movie i grossly underestimated it and mm-hmm. i thought even as like a nine-year-old at cinema one video in gulf breeze florida i was like Ugh, this is based on a board game who cares that's dumb <sighs> And little did I realize that this movie, the which I now realize was the first major motion picture based on a board game, is actually quite good. Um, and I was surprised by that. And so every time I heard somebody say, ooh, yeah, I love the movie Clue, at first I thought you're insane, that can't possibly be good, <laughs> but I became intrigued over time and I guess just never intrigued enough to seek it out on my own. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm glad that you recommended this as our first movie.
0: Yes. Well, diving into the Rotten Tomatoes opinion, it got a 62% critical review, which is certified fresh, but just barely. Yeah,
1: that's criminally underrated, I feel like.
0: Well, see, and then 86% audience, like certified. Okay. 86% positive from the audience, which makes more sense. But reading the reviews, so maybe this is just me, but... I'll go into some of the critical reviews. Um, one of the positive ones was, if Clue falls a bit short of the mark, it remains a likable artifact of talented people giving a ridiculous task, the old college try. Which is still that's, kind of lukewarm. That's, practice. I would say though,
1: <laughs> very fair. That's a very fair assessment Absolutely. of this movie. And like, I
0: totally agreed, yeah.
1: The silliness is taken to an extreme degree in a way that I feel is necessary when you have a movie based on a board game.
0: Yeah, it's true. It's true. There's a lot of kitsch and a lot of, like, kind of just, you got to make the board gaminess of it work somehow. And it was also the 80s, and they're doing that 50s thing that they did in the 80s that I don't fully understand. But um, the one of the negative reviews kind of went in on them from uh, the Los Angeles Times. And it's not the least bit scary or suspenseful, but instead grows quickly tedious. The more you struggle to keep track of the constantly multiplying plot developments, the harder it gets to care who did it, which is harsh. And then Chicago Sun Times has one ending is more than enough. (laughs) And I gotta be honest, like, re watching this movie, I felt all of these at different times. There was a good, like, first 20 minutes that I was like, oh no, I think I don't like this movie anymore. (laughs) And then once we got to the part where they were just like totally slapstick, I think the moment that I was like, I am here for it was when Miss Peacock faints, and Tim Curry tries to catch her, and she just, like, slides to the floor, and I was like, oh, I remember what this is, and I'm totally here for it.
1: Yeah, and it's, I mean, it's very silly. Like, that's the thing that I didn't quite grasp when I was a less sophisticated movie viewer. It was, (laughs) a few movies that I've seen have really embraced their inherent silliness quite like this one, and that's one of the things I really enjoyed about it. Like you said, the slapsticky nature of it is... It's a pretty simple setup, and in fact, I guess we should briefly go over the plot for anyone who, yeah. any insane person who has not watched this movie, like myself, um, uh, before yesterday. Go out and
0: buy it, people! Yeah, check it out. Find I mean, it it's, on Amazon, it's
1: like a two ninety nine rental on iTunes. Just just watch it. I promise you'll like it. But it's anyway, the houses that it's set in. You've all played the game Clue. A bunch of strangers are invited to, I guess, a dinner party right? And they uh, Tim Curry is the butler, so naturally you're hooked. Mm -hmm. Um, And they've all been drawn there by a mysterious individual who is withholding information from them. And as that information gets teased out, a murder is also involved. Naturally, we've played the game Clue. (laughs) And you learn more about what connects these people and why they've been drawn to this house and what their connection to the murder is. So the house that it takes place in is... Accurate to the clue board game, which I thought for a second, wait a minute, the study, the billiard room, the kitchen, the this, the, that. I looked it up and I was like, wow, props to laying out this
0: set. And I want to go, I had had the instinct as the movie was playing to go look at the board game and see if even the passageways were correct between Apparently the rooms? They are. are they, <laughs> they you are. Tech- That's, I was That was the part that I was like that is so detail oriented like they got this. And one thing
1: I looked up um, or I guess I saw it in the opening credits that intrigued me also was um, Story by John Landis who mm-hmm. is one of I think the best directors of the 80s especially Also having some of his masterpieces in the 70s. Are you familiar with John Landis? What else did he do? Animal House. The Blues Brothers. Coming to America. Trading places. He was one of the key comedy filmmakers of the 80s. And uh, he apparently wrote out the story and helped out on the screenplay. So when I saw his name in the opening credits I was like okay I know what lens to watch this movie through. Uh, okay. Um cuz
0: when I was looking at Wikipedia too the apparently allegedly he said he talked to Thomas Stoppard the playwright yes. mm-hmm. as well which that was I was like oh okay <laughs> yep now I get it. The absurdism is right, very
1: yeah. very real. And it, it, I we got way off track here, but we were talking about like the slapstick comedy nature of it. You know, it's a very talky movie because it all takes place inside of one house and basically seven people, seven or eight or nine people, depending on what scene it is, talking to each other um, about this mystery. Which, by the way, the intrigue is very real. Like, it is a legitimately mysterious mystery where new information gets teased out, hooks you when you're least expecting it. Like, there is more plot to this movie, than in some of the early seasons of Game of Thrones. Like, who killed Mr. Body is almost a bigger question than who killed Robert Baratheon. Like, you know, it's, it's, it's wild. Um, and but, it is,
0: it's very real as a yeah. closed room mystery. Like, I need to rewatch because getting towards the end of the movie, you realize that, they, as they're teasing things out, you realize that some people must not have been in places when you thought that they were places. <laughs> right. And I want to go back and rewatch and be yeah. like, oh, okay, nope, they weren't in that scene. Like, that person wasn't there. So,
1: yeah. it's... That is par- you know. that could stand up in its own dramatic mystery film. But there have been dramatic mystery films that have this same setup, and this is a movie that's basically parodying them using the format of this board game, which I've got a lot to say about that as well. But the slapsticky comedy of these very uptight individuals running around this stately New England mansion, oh, yes. constantly bumping into each other, knocking each other over, trying to just pour a couple of glasses of whiskey and just sloshing the entire oh, canter over like the coffee table.
0: Hilarious. Like yeah.
1: it the physicality of all the actors was it, this movie must have been a blast to shoot it's all indoors they're just running around in fancy clothes bumping into each other knocking stuff like it must have been so much fun
0: yeah and that's the weird thing though with the slapstick comedy which was hilarious and so like the best part of the movie is them just running all over the place and that moment where four characters just run crashing into each, into other, each other yeah and fall to the ground like you just don't see that often but for how good the slapstick was the fight choreography was terrible. Very bad. Was that on purpose or was that just... I'll
1: be charitable and assume it was on purpose. (laughs) Um, Although Jonathan Lynn, uh, the writer and director of the film, this was his first directing credit. Uh So it's a very real possibility that maybe he just didn't know that uh, coordinating fights wasn't his strong suit. (laughs) I don't know. It's a possibility.
0: There were moments where I was like, wait, are we supposed to... Did he fake slap her? (laughs) Or was that a real slap and we're supposed to think that he actually... it was." It was pretty bad. But.
1: Mm-hmm. Also, we have to talk about the cast here for a second yes. because it's full of that guy actors.
0: Mm-hmm. You know,
1: It's like a bunch of people who you will recognize instantly but may not know their names necessarily. I mean, you've got Tim Curry, of course, mm-hmm. playing Wadsworth the butler. Christopher Lloyd as a... Deliciously lecherous uh, oh, Professor man. Plum. Um, we should definitely talk about that guy yeah. for a moment. But um, uh, Martin Mull as Colonel Mustard. Okay,
0: he was the one that I didn't look it up, but his face was so familiar, and I couldn't remember. He he was
1: does from. a lot of guest starring. I believe he was the one who played Gene Parmesan on um, Arrested Development.
0: Oh, um, that's not what I was thinking. But he's
1: been in a lot. He's been in quite a bit. Um, Anyhow, it's... Something's
0: going to come to me and I'll be sure. like, oh my God, Colonel Bluster. Sure,
1: of course. But anyway, yeah, the cast is great. And as a matter of fact, um, I'm not sure if this is in your notes, but um, apparently Carrie Fisher...
0: I have that too. Yes. yes. Please, by all means, fire Carrie away. Carrie Fisher was apparently um, cast as Miss Scarlet, who is... Uh, we'll get to this later because I have a question about this, but... Miss Scarlet is just one of the best roles in the whole film, I mm-hmm, think. Mm-hmm. And it would have been Carrie Fisher, but she apparently had to withdraw because she had entered treatment for her drug and alcohol addiction. Yeah, so. literally
1: days before shooting started, like last, last second. But I will say that even though Carrie Fisher, I'm sure, would have been amazing in this
0: role, mm-hmm. Leslie Ann Warren
1: as Miss Scarlet is incredible.
0: Oh, she's amazing. She, that That role and just everything... Every scene she's in, you're just so fascinated with what she's doing. Yeah,
1: she's so good. Uh, one of the particular faces who I guess we'll get to, we can talk about two here Mr. Body, the guy who plays mm-hmm. Mr. Body. Now, I'm assuming, I'm going to go out on a limb and guess you probably didn't recognize him because he's been in very, very little other than Clue.
0: He looked vaguely familiar, but maybe just in the way that, like, he sure. has a very kind of. 80s bad guy gangster kind of right,
1: look. but he had that very also stereotypically like 50s bad guy gangster yeah. <laughs> kind of look and like attitude 80s, and 50s. stuff. Yeah, 80s,
0: in this 50s, is
1: 80s, 50s, 80s, 50s. Yeah, boy, we could have a whole podcast about 80s, 50s if oh, we wanted yeah. to. Spin off show, um, that makes but it. that gentleman mm-hmm. is named uh, Lee Ving. Mm-hmm. He made his bones as a musician He was the lead singer for a punk band called Fear, which John Belushi, who was also connected to John Landis, invited. To perform on Saturday Night Live in I think like 1980, and they tore up the set during their their performance and caused a riot because they invited a bunch of like New York City punk teenagers, Ugh. and almost destroyed the set in the middle of a live show. So
0: oh leaving is Can directly you do this? he it,
1: it, it, there is footage. Yeah, he is directly responsible for Lauren Michaels saying no more punk bands ever on Saturday Night Live, which stood oh. until like the late until like the early 90s. Dang. Yeah, it's wild. Did um, you know
0: that already, or did you look that
1: I out? knew who Lee Ving was mm-hmm. um, already, and that just happens to be one of my favorite early Saturday Night Live stories.
0: That is a great story. <laughs>
1: sure. Um, so he, and then also um, Yvette, Colleen Camp.
0: Okay. She looks very familiar. She's too.
1: been in quite a bit. Um, she's also one of those, like, that guy, that girl actors mm-hmm. who has been in a lot. Her credits on IMDb are numerous, and doesn't really have a ton to do in that role, but does it very well.
0: Yeah. I mean, she's she's got one job, and she does it. Yeah, I mean,
1: she wore the hell out of that uniform, <laughs> yeah. I'll say that.
0: I don't even, the, the physical mechanics of that uniform, I don't understand, but...
1: Sidebar, if there is an Oscar for boob lighting, whoever set up the shots for Yvette <laughs> deserves so a Lifetime true. Achievement Award. Oh
0: my gosh, yep.
1: Our director, Jonathan Land, going back to him, he's a former TV writer from England... Probably his most famous directing credit is my cousin Vinny.
0: Oh, okay. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, also directed the Fighting Temptations and the early '90s masterpiece. His follow-up, as a matter of fact, to Clue, Nuns on the Run. Oh, which is a modern reinterpretation of Some Like It Hot. Oh, another one that I saw on the shelf of the video store and do not regret leaving alone forever. <laughs>
0: So that will not be coming soon to Mm, KFC.
1: Unless you see it and really, really like it. Uh, I sincerely doubt it, but...
0: So we can talk about the writing, because... Please. Half the time... There were some points... This was like... Early in the film, I felt like it took a minute to pick up, and I was kind (laughs) of like, oh, I don't know about this. I don't... The dog poop on the shoe gag. Yeah. I just didn't feel that at all. I was kind of like, what is, why? I was
1: trying to give them the benefit of the doubt and assume that was going to come back in mm. some relevant way. Honestly, the opening, very weak. I would say if I was surfing right. channels and this just came on, it took quite a while for this movie to get started. So I feel like that's a possible reason why a lot of critics went into it sour is because it did not get off to a strong start and they felt like they were wasting their time for a while.
0: Right. Um, but once it happens, like, yeah. it happens fast. And the writing gets so... I loved it. There's, yeah. like, so many puns, so many, like, just mo play on word things. Like, the whole... When they start revealing the different ways that people are being blackmailed and what they're being blackmailed for, there's a whole back and forth between Colonel Mustard and Wadsworth, which, like, the two of their interactions were yes. always hilarious. But when someone says something about a double negative and he says double negative you mean you have pictures yes the double negative is proof positive that you have been blah blah and just it goes on like that and there are so many moments where you're just like it just goes a million miles an hour and the wordplay is hilarious the
1: one that i i had to back it up a couple of times because i was almost figuring it out it was at the at the uh dinner table scene um where christopher lloyd as professor plum is slurping his soup Mm-hmm. And they're at they're figuring out who does what around Washington. And he says, mm-hmm. "I he, when he's telling them that he works for the United Nations organization, you know, And he has the line where he says, "I work for the UNO, a branch of UNO, WHO, you know who." <laughs> oh, yeah. I was like, "There's got to be something there because they said UNO <laughs> oh, you know, so like four glad. times." But yeah, this is loaded with that kind of thing. So if you are a fan of clever wordplay, this is the movie for you, of oh. course. But even just lines that aren't necessarily. Cleverly written tongue twister type things. Mm -hmm. Like, obviously, Tim Curry gets all the best lines and he delivers them like his life depends on it. One of my favorite of his is uh, he says, We're trying to find out who killed him, where, and with what, which is literally the point of the game (laughs) clue, which is on which it's based. As well as his great line toward the end three murders, six altogether. This is getting serious. Yeah. (laughs) Great. I love it.
0: Even just his. No, and everyone was <laughs> no, and he goes no, and you're like Tim Curry, oh.
1: truly yeah. an amazing, amazing performance. Okay,
0: now you mentioned at the top
1: uh, the <laughs> the um, connection to Rocky Horror Picture Show, mm-hmm. of course, and uh, we can talk about that a little bit. Like setting, obviously mm-hmm. very similar. The setup very similar in the sense that you have people. Um, approaching you, you, Miss Scarlet has car trouble. Mm-hmm. Um, there are characters who uh, appear at the mansion who say, Hey, my car broke down. Can I use your phone? Literally the setup of Rocky Horror Picture Show. Right. Um, which came out about 10 years before this one. Really? Um, and I believe that was plenty. Yeah, Rocky Horror was 75. This was 85. So this is definitely time for Tim Curry's cult status as Frankenfurter to mm. really pick up a good head of steam. Um, so I assume all that was intentional. And so he actually was not one of the first choices to play Wadsworth, I found really? out. Really, The first choice was a British actor who I was not familiar with, and the name escapes me. Second choice was Rowan Atkinson, who played Mr. Bean later.
0: Whoa! Yes, who,
1: I will be honest, I feel like could have
0: crushed that role oh, as well. That's so true. I was going to say I couldn't picture anybody but Tim Curry, but... Yeah, no, that would be a totally different thing. Yeah,
1: And apparently Tim Curry and Jonathan Lynn, the director, have been friends since they were teenagers. And so it was just like, well, my first two choices didn't really come through. I bet I know who would be perfect.
0: (laughs) You got some free time? Yeah, exactly. I did. I just, for the first chunk of the movie, I kept, I realized my expectations were a lot of things from Rocky Horror. I was like, (laughs) oh, this is where... They break down and blah blah, blah and mm. it was like, no, that's that's not the right movie. <laughs> Even um, Miss Scarlet looks a lot like Susan Sarandon. I, I thought it
1: was that. Susan Sarandon I did too at for first, a long time. Yeah. and
0: then it just seemed like the sequel to Rocky. Horror. Yeah, pretty much. We're Spir- back at the mansion,
1: spiritual successor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Also, uh, one of the people who shows up, the cop um, mm-hmm. that just shows up at the house. The interactions with the cop I found to be some of the funniest moments in the oh, movie. Oh, my gosh. Um, like when they lock him in the room with the telephone, and he says, you know, he's like, I'm going to arrest you all for false imprisonment, and, uh, you know, and, and this kind of thing. And he's like, and murder. And they said, murder? And he's like, I just said that so you'd open the door. <laughs> yeah. So great. So good. When
0: They they have, like, two or three people knock on the door and ask to use the phone, and each time they're like, you can use the one in the stem. the one in the no not that one and because the room the house is just filling up with dead bodies right and so they're running out of phones and it's it's... yeah the body
1: count in this movie is high Uh, and everyone
0: dies in this way that's just like yeah i just saw the person that i know it was and then mm -hmm. they get hit on the head with their wrench or Exactly. exactly the pacing of the movie i felt like was a little bit slower editing wise than it would have been today but the cutaways, and I'm trying to think of what specifically we saw, but there were so many times where it just kind of cut to one random person's reaction and you're like, what, what? why, what? Especially Miss Peacock's reactions every time they cut to her. It was just nothing to do with her, but you'd see her kind of like, oh, <laughs> okay, yeah, Miss Peacock's freaking out.
1: Oh, uh, also, uh, one thing I didn't bring up, and this is silly, is uh, Michael McKean's role as mr green mm-hmm. was so understated and perfect yes throughout <sighs> you clearly have something in mind
0: just the they're all drawing straws to pick who's going to pair up they're all going to pair up to go search the house and like you know you might get paired with the murderer and Yvette the sexy maid is like oh but i'm going to be so scared who's going to go with me you're going to make me go alone and all of the men are gathered around her and they go i'll go i'll go i'll go and and, P- and mr green is mr. just like green goes, no thank no, you, thank you. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's terrific and of course he's the one that gets paired with her right is that yeah, yeah. yeah. like and, and they, they're investigating paired. the attic yeah that whole sequence of like investigating the house is great um, the whole thing with like um if there's anybody here you better look out like that, <laughs> that that line cracked me up for sure so uh, I guess now is a good time as any to move on to the more spoilery stuff. So you have not seen the movie clue. I know we've already given a little bit away, but now is your chance to press pause on the podcast and go spend 299 and 90 minutes watching the movie clue. You will not regret it.
0: If the last 30 years hasn't been enough to watch it, then take this moment right now.
1: So spoilers stuff. So. As we mentioned earlier, this movie has three endings. That part, not really a spoiler. Mm-hmm. The three endings are so dramatically different from each other, and the only key difference is who's got the gun at the end.
0: Yes, yeah. It all kind of culminates in the whoever has the gun killed this person, right. and that's the reveal. And I I found
1: that interesting because the I assume that was, actually, I know that was John Landis's idea to have the three endings. Um, that was his arguably biggest contribution to the movie was to be like, hey, let's do three different endings. And of course, this is 1985 where he could say, and each theater is going to get a different ending. There's no internet, so you can't just spoil it that way. It's, mm-hmm. you know, if you didn't really know what you were getting into, you could potentially see this movie, talk to somebody else who had seen the movie, and disagree about how it ended because you didn't know there were two, there were three different right. endings. and. I don't know how you interpreted this. I thought it was novel. I also thought it was a giant middle finger at people who try to figure out how the mysteries work when they watch a mystery movie Uh, because all the clues, pun semi-intended, were there (laughs) to be able to sort of figure out, you know, you could materialize in your brain who did what to whom, Mm. but in the end, none of it really mattered. It literally could have been anyone.
0: Yeah, and I mean, I I feel like when I go into most mysteries, I kind of have this mindset anyway. Like, it's going to be who it's going to be. So I don't spend a lot of time trying to figure it out. Like, I like the reveal and how it unravels. Just letting it, you know, give it to me. Just, I, you're going to tell me eventually, and I'm here for it, and I will listen. I don't try to, like, figure out the Game of Thrones things. I let other people figure them out and tell me. But, yeah, it was interesting And definitely does, I, yeah, I can see how it kind of unravels the whole idea of like, this is, this is, there's some underlying fabric here.
1: So which ending was your favorite?
0: I think, I mean, honestly, the last one, because having it all, yeah, we're in the spoiler section. Sure, yeah. Having it all culminate in one person, it like just doesn't feel right because they're all so, it's such an ensemble movie. So, like, what is anyone else's point if it's just one person? You know, everybody else there was just, like, an innocent bystander and they get to go home and be the same as they were before. Having, like, that... Because everything has been so well-balanced. There's no, like... You don't follow any one character more than any other. There's no kind of romance that buds that gives you the two protagonists, like... Just it's very, very egalitarian in in how much plot time each character gets. So having it, you know, having one character kind of come out on top at the very end as that most important yeah. murderer character just did not feel right.
1: And you know, most of the time when you've got a mystery movie, you have one character who you know for sure is not the sus the, the, the perpetrator. Mm-hmm. You've got one detective character always, mm-hmm. whether it's Sherlock Holmes or Keel Perrault. There's always one person who you are supposed to identify with, which I thought that was one of the most interesting things about this movie, because as we mentioned earlier, the plot is very much legitimate in, in terms of um, presenting a real mystery with real intrigue. It's a very detail-heavy movie mm-hmm. for a goofball slapstick comedy, but at the same time, it's different from the movies that it's parodying in that you don't have that anchor point of being like, okay, I know this person's okay. Um mm-hmm. Okay, so one movie this definitely reminded me of, uh, which is more recent, is uh, Hateful Eight.
0: Oh, okay. Um,
1: which, have you seen it? Mm. Ooh. I know. Ah, we got... Uh, put on the mm, list. Put that one on the list. So I'll, I'll, I'll avoid spoilers for that one. But it reminded me of that. But the point is that it was a mystery movie set in a single location where you have your main character who you know is not the killer. hmm This movie didn't have that, so it literally could be anybody in Clue. But yes, I agree with you. I think the third ending was the best. It was my favorite. Mm -hmm. I love the idea that everybody was the killer um, because we had already been presented very early on that, oh yeah, these people are all kind of shitheads in one way or another. Right. So everybody killed something. That's great. And having Michael McKean's uh, Mr. Green be the plant.
0: Right. Everybody kills somebody except for him. Until the end. Until he does the end. Someone.
1: Exactly. And Tim Curry, who's never been known to underact anything, <laughs> his underacting uh, when he is shot by Mr. Green is sublime. Oh, when he just so says, great. I've been shot. Good, good shot. shot. <laughs> Very good shot. <laughs> yeah. So good. He's so great. Which, um, like, it wasn't that
0: good of a shot. It was like, yeah, he was, like, yeah, he was like 10 feet away. He was like
1: 10 feet away. <laughs> the perfect ending of this movie is just oh McKean talking to the chief of police and he's just like... I'm gonna go home and sleep with my wife, and then just freeze frame music oh credits.
0: Oh my God! Yeah, it's so 80.
1: Flawless ending.
0: But, yeah, that I mean, there's a couple things just in a PC realm that don't hold up in this movie. <laughs> the treatment of homosexuality, which is kind of supposed to be a joke, but also like having that ending, yeah. you're like, yeah, still, still not totally woke. So I'm
1: curious about your interpretation of that. Let's talk about mm. that for a second because I saw that as like he is. Mr. Green's secret that he's being blackmailed by by Mr. Body for in the story is that he is a homosexual, but he says very early on, I don't care, I don't have any secrets, I didn't do anything. Um and quite honestly, nobody really makes a big deal about it in the in the length of the story. There's a couple of like sideways remarks which are, you know, whatever mm-hmm. for you know for a movie that's set in the fifties, very tame.
0: Right. If he's um, being blackmailed for it, exactly, clearly. Exactly. Yeah.
1: But I thought at the very end, when he says, I'm gonna go home and sleep with my wife, I thought that was him jumping back into character as his cover.
0: Oh, see, okay, I could totally be on board. That is not how I read it originally. Also, throwback to me watching this as a child and still having <laughs> these holdovers. Wasn't that complex, but no, because I thought it was he was the plant the whole time and got in there. And was there to unravel it there wasn't really a blackmail secret but I guess yeah how did he get there then right exactly he wasn't
1: if he wasn't being blackmailed then there would be no reason for him to be there so either he had a deep cover as having a secret (laughs) uh, uh, sexual orientation or he legitimately was being blackmailed for that but he was also actually like working for the FBI
0: Nice. Okay, I'm. I'm. And on he's board. maintaining I'm his. Converted. He's
1: maintaining his his straight cover, and so it, like when the when the cops show up, I find that to be the much funnier version. That is way better. It I'm works totally, Yeah,
0: I'm changing my mind. I'm interpreting it. Just kidding. You get the woke stamp for homosexuality.
1: <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, honestly, like they, yeah, they didn't really make a big deal about it. You know, it was like something he was being blackmailed for. But he says point blank in the movie, like, I don't care. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't make any difference to me.
0: Right, and then, I mean, there's a couple, like, the characters kind of avoiding him and, you know, just hyping up the not being interested in females at all. Right. But, yeah, that's, no, the ending was kind of what put the nail in the coffin for that one, and that actually is a really good interpretation. The
1: biggest joke about him being gay, honestly, was, like, the thing that you mentioned earlier where um, Yvette was talking about being scared, and Colonel Mustard says, I'll go. Plum says, I'll go, and Mr. Green just says, no, No, thank thank you. No, thank you. (laughs) and And that was great. It was hilarious. Yeah, right. Now, also, we haven't mentioned a single time the great Madeline Kahn as Ms. White, Oh, but she's so underutilized, Mm -hmm. you know? It's like that role could have been played by just about anybody until the very end when she gives her confession.
0: Oh, she just... I wanted a whole movie just of that Mrs. White. Like, when she turns on a... Yes. the, the, The fire... The flames... Flames on the side of my face, like that is the funniest. And yeah, she doesn't get a moment like that up until that point. If her
1: whole role, if she, I, I, because that was improvised, mm-hmm. obviously. I wish that when she was cast in this movie, they just said, "You're not getting any lines. You have to improvise the entire part."
0: Here's what you're being blackmailed for. Go.
1: This movie would have been a thousand times better.
0: Oh yeah, I gotta wonder if there's like a bunch of scenes they just had to cut because she knows? just that end like. She's a totally different character, and it is hilarious.
1: Yeah, and, like, she's so good, and to, like, have her in a completely forgettable role, honestly, in that movie is a real shame. Um, You know, I want to see more of that, uh, you know, Blazing Saddles Madeline Kahn, but, you know, it's just not... Unfortunately, having her name in the credits kind of set you up for a little bit of a disappointment, but it's all worth it for that last line of hers in the movie. Especially when Wadsworth cuts her off. It's like, okay, that's enough.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's actually, going to the the three alternate endings, there apparently was supposed to be a fourth as well.
1: I heard about this. Did you read
0: that? Wadsworth did all of it, and it was to... Because Wadsworth was also being blackmailed. No. What? So his wife committed suicide because she was being blackmailed. Mr. Body was blackmailing Wadsworth's wife. She killed herself. He felt so much guilt that he set all this up to reveal Mr. Body's whole scheme. So then his, the fourth ending is that he committed all the murders in the attempt to create a perfect murder. He wanted right. perfection. And, which, and then he like
1: escaped in a police car. Or yeah. Something.
0: And gets attacked by dogs that were in the backseat. <laughs> yeah. And that just like, I mean, for as absurd, when I was reading about this before I rewatched the movie, I was like, well, that just seems like totally off tone for everything <laughs> else. Rewatching it, I was like, oh, okay, yeah, maybe, but it's still like the car chase thing would just be too much. And I think the director said the same thing. He was like, it just wasn't good. Yeah, but it was, it was odd.
1: <laughs> that was I, I read about that as well, and that was definitely odd. Because
0: um, you do like with the genre, you're kind of set up to think Wadsworth is either that good guy or is he's either our detective character or our murderer. It's always like that guy who's kind of in the middle of everything but just seems to be helping out our heroes Mm -hmm. seems to be the one that you would expect to do it. So, and that's part of why I liked that he did some of it. He was the mastermind but like, he didn't actually kill anyone.
1: Right. It wouldn't have made any sense for Wadsworth to be the single killer because he goes, he bends over backwards to explain the entire plot to everybody. Right. At the end. Because he eventually becomes sort of like the detective character because he's the one that, figured it all out right. but it doesn't really make a lot of sense for him to be the single killer of everybody
0: right everybody nobody nobody <laughs> also
1: it bothered me watching it that nobody that, that that Mr. Body when he originally fake got killed I guess uh, nobody could tell that he didn't have any like apparent wounds of any sort
0: well that's what because they say like oh he wasn't shot because you know, when the lights go out and Mr. Body gets killed, you hear every weapon. And that's right. how you know because all the characters have been handed their individual weapons. It's all this kind of Westing game type thing going on up till this point. And then when the lights go off, you hear all the weapons and you don't know which one killed him. Right. So they say that he doesn't have any wounds because that would have been obvious. Like the gun of course, killed him. Yeah. But yeah, the the whole uh Professor Plum is a psychiatrist. But he couldn't tell that he wasn't dead.
1: No, I'm not an MD either, but yeah. I could probably find a pulse. But whatever. Confirmation
0: uh, bias. You we'll know,
1: it it's fine. It's fine. It's not. It's okay. gonna. That's one of those points where I'm like, yo, this is a movie based on a board game, so <laughs> oh I'll give him a. So I'll give him some passes because the rest oh, of it is zero pretty tolerance.
0: funny.
1: <laughs> You're tough. <laughs> You're like a real Vincent Canby over here. <laughs>
0: That was the endings though. The writing I felt like that was genius as well because we hear the same lines over and over yes. again. Communism and they is do it, just a red herring. Yeah, it's is it though? Is communism a red herring, <laughs> or is it the whole point? But uh, they we hear the same lines so many times, but they pass them to different characters and you hear in a different way or kind of a different connotation a couple of times. And I thought that was well done. That could have really easily become really tedious.
1: Now that I think about it, that thing about communism is only a red herring. Becomes funnier in the video version because you get to hear it repeated three different times. If you only saw it in the theatrical version, you'd hear it one time and just be like a oh, ha ha throwaway like I don't know, Jabba Reagan or something like that. Yeah. I don't know. But like hearing it three times in like the like the home release version is makes it much more interesting, I feel like. I, like it's cuz at the very beginning you've got the cook watching like the McCarthy hearings on television. <laughs> And then at the end, you hear three times that communism is only a red herring. It's like, ooh, really trying to say something here, yeah. I think. What I'm not entirely sure.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, Especially since it's either the director or the writer is British, right? Uh,
1: yes, yeah, so the writer director writer director is British. John John Landis is very American, but um, huh. Jonathan Landis is definitely British,
0: right? Um, he said that it was like kind of a nostalgia kitsch piece for him. Like there wasn't. It seemed to hint to from the interviews I read that he was just like, well, you know, I know a lot about McCarthyism, so I thought right. that'd be a funny way to like tie, because you really do have to do a lot of legwork to make the the multiple killers, mm-hmm. you know, murder mystery plot thing work in a mm-hmm. film.
1: And while we're on the subject there, I thought it was really funny. The like, one moment that, I, blink and you'll miss it, um, I think that's when Wadsworth is talking about. Um, why Mr. Body was blackmailing everybody and he said it wasn't for financial gain it was because he thought you were all un-American what could be more American than that and then it cuts to Miss <laughs> Peacock nodding like yeah that's true that <laughs> is true the senator's wife of course right
0: the one who was accepting bribes <laughs> yes exactly
1: exactly so it was um, yeah pretty great I mean the the lines in this movie the dialogue is A plus oh, like great. it's among the best that I've seen in like a movie of this kind and like I said so dense there's a lot That's of information, right. a lot more information to process than you would expect for a movie like this.
0: It really is Thronesian in the like in the way the characters are connected <laughs> to each other. I know we keep making Thrones references. I miss it so much, but just it you need to keep track of how these characters know each other because they do and they are related in how they're. You know, who gets killed is related to how Mm -hmm. other people are getting blackmailed. And it is, there's a lot of characters and a lot of kind of webs that spiral out from them. Mm -hmm. Um, You had
1: thoughts. You were talking about earlier how, like, you've got thoughts about this movie. Let's talk about your thoughts. I want to, I want to see if we have the same thoughts.
0: Uh, I mean, a lot of it was just the first 20 probably minutes of the film being like, oh no. Oh no, I don't know if I can defend this. This is... This is not what I remember. Like, it's just, it's so kitschy and so, in my mind, like, when I think back to watching it, it's it's Tim Curry. It's sure. him running, that last scene, I could watch that a million times over, where he runs through the house explaining yes. all the plot, and he's, like, tripping the characters and making them play the dead bodies, and then he's, like, at one point, he shuts off the light, and then someone <laughs> else turns it on, and he's laying down as if he were dead, and everyone's like, ah! And he gets up, and he keeps explaining the plot, and just, he's frenetic and so great to watch, but the first the first part of this movie, like you would not know that's where it's going. It's, no, it's, it's plotting, but it,
1: it's like a steam it engine. Off. It takes a while to pick up yeah. speed, but once it gets going, like by the end, it's just barreling down the track, and you're all about it. You know,
0: right? And once you know where it's going, I feel like you can see the characters get so much free reign towards the end to just be off the wall and nuts and physical in their comedy but like at the beginning they're so restrained and i think that's funnier if you know where it's going when you're not quite sure you're kind of like uh, like i don't know these people everything seems to be coming out very quickly like you learn pretty quickly that everyone is involved in washington and being blackmailed mm-hmm. and all the stuff that could take much more time to kind of parcel out but it once it picks up like get they get through that and everyone starts kind of getting a little crazier as the as the murders and the body counts Starts piling up, and that's when everybody it comes together, and I think it totally pays off.
1: I agree. Well, we're getting pretty close to the end here, um, so let's kind of try to wrap this up a little bit. Now, I'm curious to hear what your thoughts were when you were younger and were watching this movie compared to just watching it this past week.
0: Honestly, I'm a lot more confused about what the political intrigue has to do <laughs> with the plot, like. Is it just a way to make this weird board game foundation work in a film, or is it trying to say something? Because, like I said, I totally just didn't even remember that there's anything to do with McCarthyism sure. in the original, but or in my original viewings. But now I'm I'm confused what it's trying to say. I feel like this movie, as amazing it is, as it is to watch now, and as much of a cult following as it has, that's totally deserved. I think there's a bit of cultural cash that is a little bit lost today. Like it would, in the moment when it was in theaters, there was probably a lot more kind of, underlying references that you would get and you would get the message a little bit more clearly sure and definitely possibly not yeah because like you know the
1: mid 80s was you know a lot of people will tell you it's the height of the cold war of course if you ask depending on who you ask every year of the cold war was the height of the cold war um but you know the mid 50s was a time when you know people were scared of communism and they were scared of the atomic bomb and in the 80s that was still relevant Mm -hmm. so the whole plot about you know they're all being connected to not just being blackmailed by the same person but all being connected to the same basically weapons projects. The whole thing is about a nuclear physicist, uh, a guy at the Pentagon who's on a special secret weapons thing, guy who's State Department, same deal. Uh, all these people that are connected to the um, disappearance of or the selling of bomb secrets to the Russians. Essentially, all three endings are in some way connected to that, more or less. But yeah, I thought it was potentially interesting a little bit underexplored but also a little that part was a little more complex than it probably needed to be Mm -hmm. but it still it worked like the super complicated plotting is kind of a hallmark of this genre and I'm fine with it you know Mm. I don't mind a lot of detail I don't mind having to back up and watch something again because I'm like okay what did he just say Mm -hmm. he that was so much information in one (laughs) sentence you know if I was watching in the theater I'd be perplexed. I would have no idea. Mm-hmm. I'd have no idea what they were talking about if I watched this movie in the theater. But I'm not, so I wasn't.
0: <laughs> and that's... I, I wonder if it would just work without it. Like, could you just do this movie where people are being blackmailed for something, for things that normal people are blackmailed yeah. for, and <laughs> the plot... Gets... Think about what you just said, Carrie. <laughs> you know, I live an exciting life. Um, <laughs> Clearly. Clearly. But uh, yeah, I don't know. That's what I wonder. Just structurally, could it work without it? Because it did seem kind of unnecessarily complex. I guess. Uh,
1: yeah, uh, definitely complex. I unnecessarily, yes, I would agree with that too. But I'm, I don't know. I like that.
0: <laughs> I do have a couple questions. For Please you. fire awesome. away. So, who do you think had the best performance? Not Tim Curry. You
1: Other than Tim, Tim Curry, Curry, I was actually kind of impressed. By how Christopher Lloyd played such a creep, but he did it in an understated way. Mm-hmm. Like he did it in a much less cartoony way than I feel like somebody else might have. It was very like. He wasn't just like a dirty old man. He was legitimately like kind of sly about what he was doing most mm-hmm. of the time. Um, even when he was like talking about it, he was very like disarming almost in a lot of ways. Great. I don't know if that was the That's not necessarily... Like I said, I like Michael McKean's character as Mr. Green. I thought that was really funny. Because he seemed to be like the one sane man in the room a lot of times. But probably the best performance, other than Tim Curry, of course, was... The singing telegram girl who gets shot <laughs> who gets shot in one second she
0: has <laughs> half of one line and gets shot
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah so good
0: and that was a human moment for christopher lloyd like i felt like yeah. when he was looking at her he had, does the whole like she was my patient mm-hmm. like, that was and especially what you're saying about christopher lloyd like cartoonish is what you would almost always describe him as so. absolutely and this
1: is one of his most grounded roles yeah which is bizarre considering <laughs> yeah. the nature of this movie altogether.
0: Right, and it's interesting that you went with a lot of the male characters, because I actually, the female character, especially Miss Peacock and Miss White, I had different moments for pretty much every character in this movie where I was like, give this person an Oscar, this is amazing, but the two of them, every time they were on screen, just their facial expressions sure. and the way they'd react. and. Holy
1: so Miss White, I, I mean we talked about this a minute ago, but like Miss White, I had such high expectations for Madeline Kahn, and mm. she... If she had been allowed to basically do what I know she could have done with that role, hands down would have been my favorite performance. Oh, yeah. But unfortunately that was not the case. So
0: Yeah. It did make this surprise at the end when she just like lets loose. I felt like just that much more gratifying. But
1: Uh, Especially considering that, like, her whole deal is, like, basically this Black Widow character that's implied that she has killed all of her husbands. Pretty much explicitly. (laughs) Pretty (laughs) heavily implied. It's funny because, like, you know, clearly she's got to keep her story straight, and then at the end it's, like, her confession of actually doing something. She, it's, it's almost like she's less comfortable letting the truth, just, even when she's in a situation where she's got nothing to lose anymore, she's less comfortable saying the truth than she is living a lie, you know? Right. Which I thought was kind of a funny implication, like... You know to think about later, but again, mm-hmm. not a great, not her best performance by a long shot.
0: Right. As far as if this movie was done today, mm-hmm. who do you think would be in it? Number one.
1: Hmm, that's a good one. Let's see a good Wadsworth. Let's think about this for a little bit. Ooh. Who would be a who would be a good Wadsworth? Who's like the most overacting actor who just eats scenery for breakfast?
0: Stanley Tucci is the first person that came to my Ooh, mind. That's but interesting. He's... I love watching him as, like, a very put-together person, so I don't know if I could do... I don't know if the frenetic, like, kind of off-the-wall... I don't even know how to describe Wadsworth. He's just Tim Curry.
1: This is the kind of movie where I'm trying to think of who I would want to even just be... I'm trying to think of who I would want to have in a scene together. Mm. I'm thinking, like, okay, probably in the Yvette role... I'm going to start there, just because this is the easiest one for me to answer, Mm -hmm. is uh, I would say Sofia Vergara. Oh okay. Because she crushes the like the comedy. You know, mm-hmm. she's got great comic timing and let's be honest, also she fit the uniform. Um
0: and I would pay the full ticketed price just to see that scene where she drops the accent and becomes American. Yes. Sophia Vargas American accent, I wanna hear it. Yeah. I wanna like <laughs> having her flip that it would be great see,
1: who else who would be a great probably like a jared leto as uh, mr body to do, like oh, you know the okay. kind of like alternative musician thing again i think he could be kind of interesting as that scuzzy blackmailer yeah um because
0: actually going back to our like who would win an oscar for this movie mr body was terrible i thought i like i did not believe anything about him i know i don't know if that was part of it or not but i i didn't I didn't feel
1: it. Although, again, if we're going to be very charitable about it, they do kind of set that up in one of the endings where they say, oh, that wasn't Mr. Body.
0: Right. He was the butler. He was
1: playing the part thing. of Mr. Body. And okay. if that was the case, then his not convincing performance would be very uh, in character with that.
0: Right. Um, and that's, I mean, the thing about this movie is like anything like that, you can kind of explain away with... Like, anything that seemed a little off, like, the fight choreography and mm-hmm. stuff, like, you can get away with it because it's so kitschy and...
1: I would I would like to have Bob Odenkirk Ooh. as Professor Plum, probably.
0: Oh, okay. I could totally Have that.
1: him do, like, full um, Saul Goodman as, as yeah. Professor Plum. I would love that.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah. What is... Oh, I can... I'm terrible with actors' names. Tobias Funke, who also does a lot with Baba. Oh, David Kirk. Cross. Yeah, I feel like he could be in there too. I would love to see the two of them like as Plum and Green or David something. David Cross
1: as Mr. Green would I could be great. See, yeah, oh yeah. yeah, that would be amazing. Why did Carrie Fisher have to die? She'd be a great oh, She'd be a great no. Miss Peacock. Oh,
0: she would. If she was
1: alive and they were doing a remake.
0: Oh man. She
1: could be a great Miss Peacock.
0: I could see a Betty White or something in that role Ooh, too if they to. That's like, even interesting.
1: Older.
0: Yeah. I keep thinking Jennifer Lawrence would be in this movie. Like she would be the one that they were like, all right, it's a Jennifer Lawrence film. Get her in there. And you know, I, I want to say Miss White.
1: She could be a great Miss White. Yeah. yeah. And she's not, she's not in enough straightforward comedies that I feel like she could really stretch out and do in that role. What even they didn't let Madeline Kahn do, or she Mm. just didn't want to do or whatever. Yeah. You J- don't
0: think Jennifer Lawrence? I, could no, do that? I think she could.
1: Oh. I think that if she had the opportunity to stretch out comedically, she could really make that role interesting and oh, funny.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's true. we really haven't seen her be very funny, but her like persona, her star like Like when she's being brand Yeah, when she's funny. on
1: like talk shows, she's hilarious, but yeah. she only ever does like dramas. Oh, that's so true. Um, you know, like her biggest roles are all dramas and you know she rarely ever gets to do just like straight comedy.
0: Right. This could be the piece.
1: I'm I'm Pitch it. God. I'm I'm struggling with the Wadsworth though. I don't know who's He's good enough to the do the Wadsworth. Wadsworth.
0: Yeah. Who's like a good character actor now, like the character actor? Hmm.
1: Oh, I changed my mind. Not David Cross for Mister Green. I want to see like James Franco play Mister Green.
0: Oh yeah, I could see it. Although him being the hero at the end.
1: I'm trying to think. My criteria is who's gonna sell that last line. Um, that's yeah. that's it. And he would. <laughs> okay, he, I can see, yeah. see it. I
0: can see it. That's interesting. Going with that whole like appetite pack too. <laughs> like, you know who might be good? Jason Manczukis might be a good Wadsworth. Ooh, I can see him getting totally zany. Not British, but not British. It would that be could a very be different Wadsworth, He could be. But maybe that's the only way. It would he'd work. be a
1: great mis- he'd be a great Mr. Body.
0: Oh, Jason Manczukis oh, would that be an would amazing be, Mr. Body. That would be straight down the middle, like totally a Jason Manczukis.
1: And he role. would. And you're right. He would sell it so much better than than uh, uh, Lee Ving did. God, this is a killer cast. Get 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 Hollywood on the horn I right know. now. I know
0: we've got something here.
1: Got to come up with a good Wadsworth. I know. And we didn't Great mention a. who'd be a good Scarlet. Who'd be a good Scarlet? Do you oh, think? yeah.
0: I'm mm. thinking like
1: Anne Hathaway could be a good Scarlet.
0: Oh, that would be interesting. That's... This is going
1: to be an expensive movie.
0: Oh yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it's not even that many people comparatively, but mm-hmm. they're all they're all there. We got There's A-list a women thing. and
1: like cult star men, basically. Yeah.
0: Well, you know. I'm fine with in that. In the in the vein of the original.
1: Ooh, ooh, ooh. Jordan Peele as Wadsworth.
0: Oh, oh. Oh, I'm into it.
1: I would watch that movie.
0: I could see either Key or Peele doing it because they would be different. Well, whoever. So, <laughs> so likable that you would want.
1: Whichever one isn't Wadsworth should play the cop that shows oh, up.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Either that or Green. To see the two of them and it's like, <laughs> yeah. who's the one? Oh, Colonel Mustard. Okay. We got a killer right. cast here. Yeah. yeah. It's gonna be expensive. But it's gonna totally be totally worth it.
1: Very much so. I would watch a table read of that, frankly. Like, oh my
0: god, we should. You could set that up for charity or something. Set that I up for know. charity. Just, get the get
1: them sitting at a table. Just get the original nineteen eighty five script and uh, just have them go to town with it. Oh my gosh. I'll miss seeing them knock each other over on the stairwell, but that's <sighs> fine. I'll, that's a small price to pay for greatness. That's
0: so true. This may not even work as a table read because half the film is just like them <laughs> falling over and passing out at random times. <laughs> Um, so, would the three win- the three endings work today, or is that a one-time thing? I guess if we were totally redoing it...
1: Yeah, I have, ne- have I've never heard of a movie that's done this since. I think mm-hmm. this is the first time I've ever heard... This is the first and last time I've ever heard of a movie being released in theaters where each theater... Where theaters got a different ending. hmm So, I think part of the reason they didn't do it anymore is because it was a gimmick, obviously, and the movie was not well-received. So a i'm wondering which ending those critics got because i feel like that mm. might have a big effect i think that the Did third
0: they have to go see all three they must have uh,
1: i assume they probably just saw one i hope i would hope that they saw the one with um where everybody was the killer right um Ooh, that's
0: a good like fuck you to critics though because it's yeah. just like you didn't see the actual movie. yeah that your yeah. constituents probably saw
1: but um yeah i i would it work today I, it didn't really work then. No. So I don't think so, but I'm very curious. I would love to see somebody have like the guts to try it.
0: And in... you had a good point about social media, too. Like, mm-hmm. how long would that actually stay a secret? Right. You know, all the, the cut scenes from... Or the end scenes from any of the Marvel movies, or any movie that does them now, because so many do... That stuff gets leaked almost instantly, or you can at least look yeah. up whether they're there or not. So the gimmick itself would be spoiled pretty quick. Mm-hmm.
1: The only movie that's close enough to that, except it had all three endings in the theatrical release, is Wayne's World. What you know at the very have you you've seen I've, Wayne's seen, World? It. Okay. I've seen it. Okay, I don't. So like the movie ends with it. like no, let's try the Scooby Doo ending, and then and they oh. do like basically they got three different endings. But they're all in the theatrical release. It's not like any one was the definitive ending for some of them. Right. Some of the theaters. So, I mean, they've tried it, I guess. Mm-hmm. But sort of, not really. Mm-hmm. Um, but we digress. Um, any final thoughts? We're getting pretty close. Oh,
0: yeah. Well, I have a couple more questions, but we don't have Oh, to please. Um, what do you think would have to change about the story for today? Um...
1: You know, the whole, we talked again about how the whole plot of the film, I mean, the whole plot within the plot is dealing with, like, basically selling weapons secrets to the Russians, which is a great element for a movie set in the 50s that was made in the 80s because it was still relevant. Hmm. Not so much today. They probably have to change that in some way that's a little bit less topical for the time that, for, like, the 80s, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, because it's not relatable. Um, I mean,
0: it'd be data to the Russians. I mean, it would (laughs) would
1: work still in the fifties, but, um, you know, I definitely think that it should stay set in the fifties. Oh, okay. I like that setting. I think that it works for like the genre. I would accept it as a plot element, but I know a lot of people probably would not. So they'd have to change that. I think they might have, I feel like the temptation to make the whole like Mr. Green as a homosexual, um, being his secret, the temptation to make that a bigger deal than it was in the 80s movie would be huge. and i don't think that's necessary but that's probably what people would end up doing
0: mm, kind of making um, that like a tragic right complaint. because
1: well sort of i think they they would complaint. probably like play up like other people like giving them crap for it uh, but i i i kind of preferred the way they had it in the 80s version just because it was so like
0: I mean, like I said, it was kind of
1: innocuous. Nobody really cared, it seemed like.
0: Nobody got a lot of shit for any of their secrets, because they all were in the same boat. The only,
1: I mean, one of the only things that happened that was noticeable was, like, I think Colonel Mustard was sitting on the couch next to Mr. Green, and then he got up. Right. Which, yeah, that's messed up, but it's not, you know, other than that, it's not like he was, like, calling him out for anything. Right, we don't hold on that moment very long. No, no, no. It was more a joke about Mustard being uncomfortable.
0: Right, right. Um, so, what other board games do you think would make good movies? I'm
1: glad you asked. So, I have not seen the movie Battleship.
0: Oh, same. Okay, I have a.
1: Okay, although that, Rihanna
0: and Liam Neeson is very tempting.
1: That's a that's a future episode because I have a friend who loves the movie Battleship, and she would be a great guest. Get her but, on here. You know, I. At any rate, we, we can deal with that later on. Other games that would be a great movie based on a board game. Settlers of Catan,
0: Okay, I would love to
1: see it as like a Terrence Malick-esque meditation on simple folk carving out a living in an indifferent wilderness, I think would be great. (laughs) Very depressing. Uh, Monopoly would basically just be like the show Boardwalk Empire. Yes, Um,
0: I like doing that dark. I think that's, Monopoly is a dark game. We've got to make it. It's
1: got very dark undercurrents that is masquerading as just like, like basically just to annoy your family with a four-hour board game. Oh, right.
0: Capitalism destroys us all. (laughs)
1: Like I said, Boardwalk Empire. (laughs) Um, Except with more, you know, unusual props involved. Like a shoe (laughs) or a flat iron. A battleship. Now, how about... How would you make a movie... What what about you? What do you think would be a good uh, uh, board game movie?
0: Candyland. Candyland, I Always thought that was a very cinematic game. (laughs) Um, What else? I, like, never got into the super complex games. Mine were always very... Clue was one of my favorite board games, Mm -hmm. and I think that's part of why... I liked this movie so much. I would love to see someone interpret "shoots and Ladders. Like, take something, like How the Grinch Stole Christmas or Jumanji, and just take something with literally no Timeout. Time out.
1: Deck. Wait, are you telling me that the game Jumanji existed before the movie?
0: No, the book Jumanji existed. Oh,
1: that's right. And okay, it was yeah, just yeah, like, yeah, yeah. it was
0: the same thing as The Grinch, where it was just, you know. Pretty simple. Yeah, short, lots of... Oh well, let's, real estate taken by pictures.
1: Let's let's double down on that idea. Let's see somebody make a movie out of Scrabble.
0: Oh, or chess. Ooh. Let's make a chess oh, movie. Oh my gosh! Oh my gosh! Side I bar, guess they've, but they've done chess. I guess they've done chess. It's something about it has to do with Bangkok. I haven't seen the film, but there's a song called "One Night in Bangkok", Night in Bangkok that Bangkok, my mom yeah. sent me when I was in Bangkok, and I literally had that song stuck in my head for a full week, and I had to watch the the music video because it wouldn't get out of my head. And it is so great and so 80s. Indeed, indeed. Literally, and everyone, oh man, just the 80s. I guess there are a lot of
1: games about chess, but they're cheating because they're not literally about the game of chess. Yeah.
0: Chess is featured, but it's not, it's not the game. That would actually, yeah, if you like blew up the game of chess into a movie, not people playing chess. I, I wouldn't would be here for it. I would
1: picture it being very similar to Game of Thrones because it is also about strategy and uh, killing uh, regents.
0: Yeah, there you go. So for, uh, Alice in Wonderland, the one that they remade, the Tim Burton version. I feel that like was that based was on the, chess? It seemed very chessy at the end. There's something to do. I was don't remember chess-y. it. There was, there was some chessness to it at the end. There was <laughs> royals fighting, and yeah. So that might be Chess the Movie. Nice. So, would you, now having seen. This movie, this classic mm-hmm. masterpiece mm-hmm. of the 1980s and Tim Curry's career, uh, would you recommend it? And what would you recommend either instead, or if you liked it?
1: I definitely would recommend this movie. I, with the caveat that the opening is very slow. Once it gets going, though, it's great um, because this is peak Tim Curry for one thing, and he nails his performance. Oh, obviously, perfect. everybody in the movie is in a delight to watch them it's a delight to watch them interact um it's fun it's light but complex Mm -hmm. goofy slapstick and surprisingly detail-oriented like much more so than a movie this silly has any business being which is one of the things that i love silly movies that are very meticulous Mm -hmm. it's a weird combination that you don't see very often so yeah i would recommend it um i would recommend it if you like movies that deal with kind of complex plots like if you're able to reasonably follow like Game of Thrones or The Wire then yeah you can deal with the complexities of this plot if you were dying for a movie that was as complex in plot as Game of Thrones or The Wire but it was a goofball comedy <laughs> uh, based on a Milton Bradley board game this is definitely your movie um,
0: it's finally here people it's if you finally loved The here, Wire and Game of Thrones but you want that in a board game made film You've got it. you
1: got it. And it's been sitting right <laughs> under your nose yeah,
0: for 32 years. <laughs>
1: and it's... Um, but yeah, also, you know, if you like, uh, you know, like Agatha Christie mystery novels, like Who It and stuff like that, or like I mentioned, The Hateful Eight earlier, mm. for sure. And, you know, what the hell, if you just want to see Tim Curry in a scary mansion during a thunderstorm, again, if you liked Rocky Horror, you might want to check this one out as well. But you probably already knew that because... If you love Tim Curry, this movie should for sure be like the top of your list.
0: Yeah. Well, I obviously recommend it. Naturally. It is a classic of my childhood, of I think a lot of people's kind of adolescence time. It's just once you once you figure out what it is, once you kind of sync up with its wavelength, it's hilarious. It's a ride and totally totally worth going on.
1: So. 100%. Agreed. Two thumbs up. We got it. All right, now we're moving on to our pick for next show. Mm -hmm. So, next week, Kari, have you seen this movie that I would pitch to you as Princess Bride meets Pan's Labyrinth?
0: Oh, I've seen those movies. i not, (laughs) I don't think so.
1: So, the setting is Southern California, 1915. There's a five-year-old girl in the hospital with a broken arm where she befriends another patient, who's a man who is laid up in bed, possibly paralyzed. Uh, He starts telling her a story, and much of the movie is made up of her mental image of how his story goes. But here's the thing, English is not her first language. Her family is Romanian, so her cultural background informs a lot of how she perceives the story which we see on screen. So it is a literal fantasy film in the sense that we are visualizing this little girl's perception of a story that she's being told by a person who has a radically different, like, cultural background. This movie is The Fall, directed by Tarsem Singh, came out in 2006. Kari, you have got to watch this movie, my friend. It is so good.
0: I'm excited. That pitch has got me hooked. Let's do this.
1: Awesome. All right, folks, well, we will see you next week. In the meantime, I have been Kyle. I'm Kari. And uh, we'll
0: see you later. (laughs) It's <laughs>